fear the talking. <laughs> Not this time. It's here, the talking queers. Come on. Ah, it. Boo, you whore. Ready to party. How very. Hello, bitch. <laughs> hey, bitch. Hey. Welcome to another episode of Hear the Talking Queers. Oh, my God. Our first and probably only Hear the Talking Queers of the season. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is it really? We didn't do another one this year or this season? No, this is our first one. And what we have planned for the rest of our season, there's no Hear the Talking Queers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Uh, really savor this one. It is a, uh, a special little treat for you. We're happy to report, though, that we are getting live updates of the Golden Globes winners. <laughs> we are happy to. Yes, we are personal. Yeah. Nobody else in the world is getting these but us. <laughs> yeah, we're getting them as they happen. So, <laughs> Yeah, so um, if you listen to our, what was it, our Terrifier episode? I'm yes it was yeah so our last episode Terrifier 2 you will hear about how excited we were about the Golden Globes coming up and award season and the nominations for the Golden Globes well now it's happening tonight yes live as we're recording this the Golden Globes is airing and the winners are coming out slowly one by one um and honestly I don't watch the awards ceremonies do you I think they're so boring um I I do enjoy them oh, I okay. like the the glamour I like the red carpet. Obviously. I like to see what everybody's wearing. I like the drama, the punches, the the off-color jokes that go viral. Like I I do love those things about award shows. Okay, see, the musical performances go. are sometimes decent depending on who's singing, on what's nominated, who's oh. singing. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, there's, far, there's, there's a charm to award season that I that I do really love. So so far, the winners have been Kate Blanchett for Tar. Which I think Ooh, was okay. obvious. That's for best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. Okay. Ooh, and she was yes. up against some heavy hitters. She was up against Ms. Viola Davis, Ana de Armas for Blonde. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, I think the movie kind of held her back from being a strong contender in that category. But sure. go off, sis. Um, Austin Butler just won for um, Elvis. And we had talked about how that was going to be a, a tight race between tight him and Brendan Fraser, and yes. Austin Butler came through. I thought I, I had a feeling he would. I mean, I don't know. He was he was really fantastic in it. He really was. He did such like a great living job. it after the movie was over. Like the amount of times people were like, "Is Austin Butler still playing Elvis in public?" Like he was obviously <laughs> very committed and influenced by this character. Yeah, absolutely. And then best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy was Colin Farrell for the Banshees okay. of um, Inisherin. <laughs> <laughs> Ignorance. Oh my god. Yes, which I have not seen. It is on HBO Max. Maybe I will check it out when I want something really dreary looking. There's something going on. <laughs> like yes, it's a it's a rainy Sunday film. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, which was today. Well, not Sunday, but um, maybe right. I should have uh, given it a watch today. And- right. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel Deschel with shoes on. I know you loved that. <gasps> that. Wait, did that win? Nope, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Like, oh my God, how cute. It was nominated for best um, animated motion picture, but actually it Guillermo lost? del Toro's Pinocchio won. Okay. Which I've heard really great things about. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Miss 
Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So I will give that that. But I really did love Marcel the Shell with shoes on. It made me very sad and but very hopeful and it was just so sweet. Absolutely so sweet. sweet. Um, best performance by an actress in a supporting role in any motion picture was Miss Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Dang. That is a, kind of a surprise to me. Real? Yeah. Well, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis for sure had this one in the I bag. Just, I just wasn't sure about the meat of the role. You know, obviously her, yes. her performance was fantastic, but it didn't seem like that role really was written like award worthy but I guess maybe I'm wrong it was her performance really shining through you know it's kind of like like we were talking about Dame Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love she had no lines she was in it for a couple (laughs) seconds and she won best but they brought the majesty yes yes (laughs) Um, best director for a motion picture Steven Spielberg the Fablemans hands down I knew he was gonna win that I haven't seen it yet Oh my god, so fucking good. You liked it? Okay, I good. Loved I'll it. have to check it out. Yep, yep. What Definitely. did you love about it? What I loved about it was just it it's just kind of like a reminder for people like us who are so attracted to movies and cinema and film yeah. and the glamour of it all. I feel like he really reminds the audience the magic of movie making and how simple how simple something can be and still it becomes quite magical on screen and i think that is is lovely and how movies can really change your life or really make you see things from different perspectives so i just love that movie was great okay i'm i'm gonna check it out on your recommendation Yes, please do. Okay, and then we don't have many, very many winners um, announced so far. Julia Garner won for Ozark, which you said she wins all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, she better win awards for playing Madonna. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> She's playing Madonna? She's like the rumored casting for the Madonna <laughs> biopic. Oh, my God. But, but and if you look at pictures of her, she kind of looks like Madonna. Well, I know they'll do a great job with like the makeup and whatnot. Oh my god! Right, okay, yeah. that's exciting. Um, that's exciting. Quinta Brunson won for Abbott Elementary, best performance Yay, by an actress Quinta. in a television series, musical or comedy. You know, I was gagged the other day to see her in like a Neutrogena commercial. I was like, oh my god, that girl that like I knew from the viral video. I think it was like, was it Funny or Die or Buzzfeed where she was in the movie theater? The movie theater line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, we well, got money. A yeah. large. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like four feet tall. <laughs> yes. And that girl is now a a super star. You know, a spokesmodel for a makeup company and she's winning awards. I'm like, that is such a a lovely like trajectory to watch. It is. And I love that show. And Tyler James Williams also won for best supporting role in a musical or yes. comedy for Abbott Elementary. Um, something else exciting I just saw was Zendaya won for best performance by an actress in a television series drama for Euphoria. We knew she was going to win this. Episode five. No competition. Episode five alone stomped out the competition. Literally. Okay, now let's get to the winners who are definitely going to segue us into our movie this week. Um, Best performance by an actor in a supporting role in any motion picture is Ki-Hee Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. Oh my God, I'm so happy for him. His, like, journey as an actor has been 
so interesting and like he hasn't had a major role in a film in 20 years he was like on his way out of the business because he's like there aren't roles written for you know asian uh, asian men or asian american men that are that are leading roles and and so for this role to to real to take him to award season and and be get him acclaimed and recognized like i am just i'm just so happy for these guys yeah for, for not only kihi kwan but miss michelle yo michelle yo she won best performance by an actress in a yes! motion picture musical or comedy who did she beat out for that she beat out emma thompson Wow, um, okay. For good luck to you, Leo Grande, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know who she is. I don't know who Leo Grande is. Um, <laughs> she beat <laughs> That's out Ariana's brother. She beat out <laughs> the other, not Frankie, Leo. Yeah, not Frankie. Yeah, the other one. <laughs> um, she beat out Anya Taylor Joy for the menu. Ooh, which I watched yesterday, which was very good. But I can very see her good. Yeah, absolutely beating her out there. Margot Robbie in Babylon. Oof. Okay. And Leslie Manville for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Okay, yeah, this was Michelle's hands this, down. Yeah, Michelle, yeah, for sure. I think all those other performances, while I'm sure they were great, um, I don't know what these movies are. <laughs> Except for the menu <laughs> and Babylon, of so, course. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, no. I, I'm so excited for her. And I, I think that brings us right into our movie this week. Yes. Um, where we can sing her praises because... This movie was such a brilliant showcase for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, she sort of had a s- similar perspective on the industry as Ki Kwan, and um, this this role has taken her right into the zeitgeist of Hollywood, and she is now, you know, she is up there with the best of the best leading ladies, and that is so exciting. That is so exciting for Michelle Yeoh because she's always been in this industry. She's always kicked ass, but now is her time. And um, I'm really excited to see what happens for her next. I know. I'm super excited. I, I hope that there are more roles that are going to be offered to them because of this. Um, and I can't wait to get into the movie this week because this is a movie that... Okay, I'll preface it by saying this isn't necessarily a movie that speaks to me. And not because of the mm-hmm. movie or what it deals with. That's actually what is the best part of it. But it's like, you know, action, fantasy, sort of like, you know, that kind of... Yeah. It's not really my realm or my wheelhouse of movies that I'm attracted to. But after right. seeing this movie, I was like, oh my fucking God, this is really fucking good. Yeah, because it's so much deeper than that. And it is. and um, the Daniels kind of made a comment about how when they screened it at South by Southwest, that they were sort of surprised at the reaction to it. They honestly thought that people were going to really connect with the action and the comedy and the sort of sci-fi-ness of it all. But they said it during the Q&A after the movie that everybody wanted to talk about like the more existential questions of it and they wanted to talk about the like the trauma of growing up you know maybe as like an Im- an immigrant in this country or like the dynamics between you know family like they people were more interested in talking about that than the more fantastical elements of the movie so yeah i think that sort of speaks to exactly what you were saying like yeah. maybe on paper this didn't really sound as appealing to you but once you see the whole product you're like oh my god this is so rich it's so rich and full of so many layers of different things that anybody can connect to maybe you are maybe it would connect to somebody who maybe isn't into the more 
you know, philosophical, you know, parts of the film. Right. But actually does, but they do connect to the action scenes and, and the sci-fi scenes. And so there's something for everybody in this. And there's this, right in the title right there. Everything, Everything everywhere. everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Girl, yeah, exactly. yeah, it truly is that, especially like during a time when so many <laughs> movies that deal with multiverses and, you know, oh, all this. This is the time for the multiverse movie. Multiverse movie. Yeah. And so I think that so far from what I've seen, this is probably the movie that deals with it the best. Oh, agreed. I mean, but, I mean, I think in a way that was not redundant or like nothing we've sort of seen before. Right. And um, and I know that that was uh, something that they took notice of as well when they were creating the movie, because they were starting to become aware of how many similar stories were coming out about the multiverse that they actually stopped themselves from consuming those those things from yeah. watching them because they were scared of being influenced and maybe Right. copying something or not having an original idea and so yeah, yeah the multiverse is in its is in its heyday right now and uh, to me i think this is by far the best one so why don't we get into it what do you say yes absolutely this is everything everywhere all at once sucked into A bagel. Everything Everywhere All at Once, written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, also known as The Daniels. Part 1. Everything. Evelyn Wong, played by Michelle Yeoh, is a Chinese-American woman who runs a struggling laundromat with her husband, Waymond, played by Ki Kwan. The business is being audited by the IRS, which has caused rising tensions on the eve of the Chinese New Year. Furthermore, her father Gong Gong, played by James Hong, has just arrived from China and is living with them. As she sorts the receipts for their IRS appointment, she does not notice Wayman's attempts to serve her divorce papers. Her daughter Joy, played by Stephanie Sue, and her girlfriend Becky, played by Tally Medell, arrive as Joy is meant to help breach any language differences at the IRS meeting. Evelyn is still struggling to accept her daughter's lesbianism and is reluctant to introduce Becky to Gong Gong. After he comes down the stairs into the laundromat while she's dealing with a customer, Evelyn introduces Becky as Joy's good friend, causing them to storm out. In the IRS building elevator, Wayman's personality changes when he's briefly taken over by a version of himself from the Alpha Universe. Upon being connected to a headset, Evelyn sees an overview of important moments from her life. Her father's disappointment having a daughter, meeting Waymond, her family renouncing her from marrying him, buying the laundromat, and having joy. Alpha Waymond explains that every decision creates a new parallel universe and that they may be in danger. Then he gives her a list of instructions on the back of the divorce papers. Sitting down with IRS inspector Deirdre Bobirdra, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> that name is that name. everything. Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> yeah, Amelia Bedelia, Deirdre Bobirdra. <laughs> <laughs> The Wongs are scolded about their stacks of receipts and tax-deducted items. In accordance with Alpha Wayman's instructions, Evelyn swaps her shoes to the opposite feet, imagines herself in the janitor closet, and then clicks the green button on her headset. She's pulled backwards into the closet where Alpha Wayman awaits to further explain that she's an important woman in this universe that discovered verse-jumping. Before he finishes his explanation, however, evil Deirdre pulls him through the door and breaks his neck. Back in the real world, 
Deirdre agrees to allow them another chance to turn their receipts in again by 6 p.m. But fearing another attack, Evelyn punches her in the face. <laughs> Furthermore, she realizes that her instructions were written on the back of divorce papers that Wayman had already filled out. Alpha Wayman returns to fight off the security guards and take them to the break room. He explains that they're being chased by Jobu Tupaki, a woman whose mind was overloaded and splintered after being pushed too hard by Alpha Evelyn. Now she can burst jump and manipulate matter at will, but has become a being of pure chaos and evil. Alpha Wayman explains that burst jumpers can access skills, memories, and bodies of their parallel universe counterparts by performing a statistically impossible action that slingshots them towards the universe. Upon being attacked on the stairwell by evil Deirdre, Evelyn is able to tap into a universe in which she did not meet Waymond and instead became a kung fu master and movie star. She's able to fight off evil Deirdre, but Jobu Tubaki approaches and Alpha Wayman is knocked out. It is revealed that Jobu is actually Alpha Joy, and she kills all the security guards sent to arrest Evelyn. Jobu shows Evelyn the everything bagel black hole that she's created with which she can potentially destroy the multiverse. Alpha Gong Gong arrives before Evelyn is sucked into the black hole, but he wants to kill Evelyn to prevent her mind from further fracturing. Wayman and Joy return to themselves and are confused by their predicament, which Evelyn futilely attempts to explain. Alpha Gong Gong tries to get Evelyn to kill Joy, but she refuses, instead opting to become more like Jobu so she may have enough power to defeat her. Alpha Gong Gong calls all of the nearby burst jumpers to kill Evelyn, but she's able to use the skills and memories from her multiverse selves to defeat them all. Unfortunately, Alpha Wayman is killed by Jobu in the Alphaverse before he's able to kiss Evelyn goodbye. Right after, Evelyn's mind fractures from the stress of splintering herself and she dies. Oh, oh, oh the drama. The drama. The drama. Oh, it's all good drama. But like I said, <laughs> this movie is so layered and every character is just so amazing. So why don't we start off with Miss Evelyn? She's our star. She's our hero. Yes, Miss Evelyn. I will have to say one of the first things that I notice in these op- in this opening where she's trying to get all of the IRS papers ready and everything like that. I, I, uh, the styling has a lot to do with it, the makeup, um, but really Michelle Yeoh's performance. Um, she looks like somebody who is just tired, who yes. <laughs> stressed under a lot of pressure. You know, we've had a lot of stressed <laughs> women in our movies recently between, <laughs> between the mother and Pearl, between, oh, God, between Miss Evelyn and everything ever all at once. And the mom in Terrifier 2. <laughs> <laughs> yes, women who are just cracking under pressure. Bitches be stressed. <laughs> yeah, mothers who are cracking under pressure. <laughs> yeah, a common theme in 2023 is like, you know what? We don't give enough credit to moms for the stress that they're put under. Yeah, absolutely. And this added layer of um, being an immigrant business owner who oh my goodness doesn't yeah. really understand everything as far as tax write-offs and and like being confronted right, with that by somebody who does this every day and you know um yeah and it's supposedly like targeting the chinese community and right um, you know so they're they're not only having to deal with this system that is complicated for people who are even from here to understand like to be honest i don't fucking understand all of it you are you know? kidding me it's, this is why people are discouraged from voting it's all fucking yeah. confusing yeah, it's so fucking confusing, right? And but and then to have a whole added layer of like microaggressions attached to it coming yeah. from every which way, especially 
the IRS agent who is the only person standing between you and your means of income continuing. Right. It's stressful. It, it would cause you to have some sort of mental break or something. Yeah, have your mind splinter into a thousand different... This actually is not happening. This is just her mind going berserk from the pressure. Um, <laughs> my bro- I, I watched this with my brother and he was like, let me guess, that's the twist. It's all in her mind and she's just having a mental breakdown. I was like... Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was like, I don't think that's that is what happens. <laughs> but I mean, that would also make sense. <laughs> yeah. One of the most intriguing things about Evelyn is the behind the scenes stuff. Like the fact that they did not intend for the lead to be female in the first place. Yeah. And that they wanted um Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan to be the lead in this in this film, which and, would have been fantastic to have a, a comeback for Jackie Chan. But yeah. honestly, like I'm very happy that it's kind of a comeback for Miss Michelle Yeoh, even though she yeah. did have her success with Crazy Rich Asians. Um, right, but I still think that this is this is a much better meteor role for um, yes. somebody like her, and to showcase her unique abilities and talents. Yeah, um, and I think that that was a smarter choice, not just for the casting, but also for um, the existential stuff that's in this movie like I feel like being a mother and a female business owner and an immigrant and all I think that it's just so much more compelling having the role be a female a mother a wife who's kind of going through these crises not just with her business but with her daughter and with her husband wanting to divorce her so I think that that was a much smarter choice and it got it allowed them the opportunity to expand on what are all the issues that this woman is going through versus yeah. what a man goes through. Exactly. Compelling. And, you know, one of my favorite things about this movie is that there are so many beautiful subplots within it. You know, we when you kind of look at the movie, it's like, it's, a, it's kind of marketed as this, this like crazy multiverse action film. But at yeah. the heart of it, it's, it's a movie about a, you know, a wife and a husband. And then it's a movie about a mother and a daughter. And, you know, right. and there's a whole added layer of, of everything that's sort of stacked against Evelyn and how she's, she's sort of like the thing that connects all of these things, but it, and it all depends on how she views herself in the world and how the world views her. And um, I don't know. I, I just think it, it it's so, it's so beautifully done. Okay, Waymond is an interesting character because, (laughs) first of all, we're starting off with him at a very awkward position where he's trying to, on top of all the fucking stress that Evelyn is going through with this IRS shit, he also wants to serve her her divorce papers in the midst of it. (laughs) Yeah, not the greatest timing, I will say, but I mean, (laughs) I I don't know. There, You have to, like... You have to think like he, him and Evelyn are almost like polar opposites in who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And in, in that, I think that they, they complement each other very well. I sort of feel a similar way in my, my relationship. <laughs> I yeah. feel not that I think that we're anything like them, but I mean, I, you know, that sort of opposites attract that there's like, there's a balance that's created between them right. that, that makes the relationship work. But it also brings its own sort of troubles here and there when yeah because one is one is very s- smart and is and is trying to be logical and you know make sure that that they succeed in this world and the other one sort of lives in a more 
optimistic yeah. kind of happy-go-lucky place. The googly eyes and the yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And that, and even though that kind of causes conflict between them, it's also their biggest yeah. strength, I would say. Because because it creates about ba- it creates balance. It, it, it they remind each other of the things that they need in order to ser- be successful together. And um but it but I could see why somebody like Waymond is maybe seeing where Evelyn is and feels like he's almost doing it yeah. because she's not happy. And so part of his like optimism is to help her be happy is to obviously right. remove himself from the equation. I, Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's sort of complicated because at first, well, actually, you see the movie play out and you can obviously tell that these characters are very conflicted. And so obviously you know that there's some kind of reason. But once you get to the end of it and you realize all the stresses and the pressures and this and the that, and when you watch it back again from the beginning, you're like, I don't know. There's something about the serving of these divorce papers and I'm like, you're an asshole. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, that's that's an, an interpretation I had, but I mean, maybe... And I don't think that's the interpretation you're supposed to have because he plays it so well. Like, he's so joyful and optimistic and even his voice and mm. his name even, like Waymond, you know, it's kind Waymond, of like yeah. such a funny um, choice for a name because obviously we're used to Raymond and Waymond makes yeah. him sound much smaller and you know much yeah. like you know more dainty in a way like sure. Raymond you know I don't right. know what it Which is Which sort of plays into his character because his character is completely opposite from the alpha verse Waymond who is very confident and strong and you know yes. uh, forceful which is so much different than the sort of uh, dainty small I guess you could say. dainty man that he is in, in this yeah. universe yeah right Yeah, that's an interesting choice. And also, like you said, the dynamic between the two, I think, is a very realistic dynamic. And that Evelyn is really the one that's saying, like, this is what we have to do. And no, you can't do that. And we have to think about this. And what about the budget? You know, like, and I feel like typically in a household, the wife or the woman is technically, I mean, is usually the one that sort of manages those functions of the household. Sure. Of course. Absolutely. Because men are stupid. (laughs) And that is on period. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that they, they obviously are in a weird place. Do I think it's the most appropriate time to serve divorce papers? No, no, but, um, something's compelling him to do it. And you know, he's, he's sticking to it at least. Yeah. It's an interesting character choice to lead in with right off the bat. Like, I feel like if there were something that clued us into, um, maybe him thinking about it. I think that hmm. maybe would have yeah. read better. I'm, sure. I think that this whole bit. like opening, opening sequence of like the chaos, it, it's sort of uh, the, cha- yeah, the chaos of the laundromat. Right. Yeah. Like not only that, like she's the one that's kind of going through dealing with the customers. She's, you know, taking sh- shoes that are being dried by customers who could potentially break the machines. And she's trying to deal with this. And, and then Wayman's over there literally dancing with one of the customers yeah <laughs> like and she's like oh my god like we have so many important things to do you're hiding clothes where we're not where they shouldn't be like he's like she's like where is this person's clothes and he's like well we didn't have enough room so i put him in 
in upstairs because I think the clothes are happier there. And she's like, what the fuck? She's yeah. Like, please, <laughs> How annoying. Like, help me. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. like, please help me. He help annoys us. the fuck out of me. And this, because I think that, <laughs> like how you were saying, like not to compare the circumstances, but like as far as the characters are concerned, I feel that like in my personal relationship, I'm more of the Evelyn than the Wayman. Oh, oh, oh you're the Evelyn. I'm the Evelyn. And so yeah, like, I'm, the Wayman. I'm like, you're so fucking annoying. Why are you moving so slow? What the fuck? are you thinking <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah just a nightmare but i will say um i think that the the differences in their relationship and the dynamic and the tension that it causes um is so um obvious in this the chaos of the laundromat and this whole opening seems yeah. more chaotic than some of the multiverse stuff that happens because it's like yeah this is real life and just the pace and the quickness of it all and like the yeah. different things that are being thrown at evelyn um it's like unmanageable and i'm like it's overwhelming yeah. when you first start the movie you're like oh my god it incites the same sort of stress watching it as she's probably feeling as in she's the moment. feeling but, it's very yeah. smart directing um yeah. And one of the things that gets thrown at her where I'm like, girl, also her, like, I understand once we get to the meat of it, like, why she's so conflicted. But at the same time, like, girl, your mom is, like, stressed. Like, back up is Miss Joy. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these things are sort of <laughs> ill-timed, like, but it seems like everybody, yeah. everybody's at a place where it's like they need to, they need to express these things. They, they are like all at a breaking point whereas Evelyn's at her own breaking point like so are they They're like I need this for me I need I need to serve these divorce papers I need to I need you for me to tell mm. my grandfather that this is my girlfriend it's like everybody's at a breaking point and do you think that everyone's at a breaking point because the multiverse itself is kind of coming to a breaking point I mean yeah they, they... and they're feeling that from the other realms <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they do allude to that several times. It's mm. like the multiverse is in peril. And um, one of the one of my favorite moments, which I kind of finally caught today, was is later on in the movie when Alpha Wayman is talking to Evelyn. And he mentions, he says the line, um, you know, don't you notice? It's like your clothes never wear as well the next day and your hair never falls in quite the same way, which is... So he's sort of alluding mm. to the fact that things are changing in the real world, but those are also lyrics to that song, um, which appears several times in the movie, which is, you know that song? This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. You know that song? Yes. Yeah, so those are lyrics from that. And apparently um, Daniel Kwan was saying that when he wrote that line, he forgot what it was from, but he's like, it kind of just worked as like a place filler. He's like, but yeah. then... As the different iterations of the script went on, he's like, it, uh, it kind of just stayed, and he's like, and we kind of, it kind of became an inside joke once they realized what the song, what it was from, that it was lyrics from that <laughs> song, and that they actually end up incorporating the song several times into the movie because he had accidentally written that line. And, That's um, funny. And he's not funny? knowing where it came from. Yes, and I'm really not remembering. He's like, I know I've heard that somewhere. He's like, but whatever. And then realized it was from that song. And then he even reached out to the singer of it and asked, like, if it was okay if he used the song. And then I guess that guy even composed, like, there's a couple different versions of the song in the movie that you don't even know. It's like a slowed down oh. country version that plays. And there's, like, one that plays um, with different lyrics during the moment when Evelyn is the the maid 
who notices yeah. the the dominatrix taking the sub <laughs> out of the room. It's like playing with like kind of like naughty lyrics. So I don't know. I thought that was fun. That song just reminds me of Lizzie McGuire. Oh my god, does it? Yeah, because I think it was. I think it might even be the first episode where she has where she's forced to wear that sweater that her grandma oh, got yeah. her to picture day. That song plays. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, there we go. Great song, great song. Um, a little one-hit wonder for you. But anyway, it so ties that in well with the character of Joy. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it does. It does. But I think just that line, like using that line, feels like the multiverse is affecting what's happening the in world. their reality. In their reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what do we think about Joy? I so I mean, obviously, we have very. We have a different kind of connection probably to the character of Joy just because she is one of the fam. You know? Yes, absolutely. I really related to some of the things that she was kind of going through. Like this idea mm-hmm. of like, you know, I've been with this person forever. Like you want you want that same respect for your partner as anybody right. else would. And um, you know, and she just wants she wants her family to know that Be- that she's with Becky, that Becky's her girlfriend and you know, I, I mean, I feel like I've been in that situation many times. Like, even a, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I've been with Joey for nine years. And a couple weeks ago, a stranger that we didn't really know had come to the house. And my grandma had introduced Joey as my good friend. And I was like, oh, it's just like, I get it because, the, I, I mean, <laughs> in a way, I get it maybe from her perspective because she's like, you know, she's like an old lady and she doesn't really know how somebody would react or, you know, I yeah, don't know, but I think but, there's still, yeah, that based on what they know or how they grew up. Sure. You know, right. Or, like, and I think my grandma knew more. this person. So maybe she was like, I don't know. But, um, so I, I, I feel like I've been in Evelyn or sorry, Joy's shoes before. Yes. And so I, I sure. find this to be one of my favorite storylines within here because I just yeah. related to it. I actually really connect with Jobu <laughs> that way. Not and not so much because obviously there is a connection there with the queer storyline because like what you're saying is very valid and that is a very real thing that I think all of us kind of go through. Yeah. And um but Jobu's kind of a conflict of just her overall existence and not mm-hmm. knowing if it's worth living or if you should just destroy it all. Um, I vibe with that. <laughs> She's the epitome of a nihilist. Like she, yes. because she is now feeling everything. Now she's experienced everything. She realizes that it's all fucking meaningless. You yeah. Know? And that, that it's just a series of vibrations happening that we've created like all these social constructs and we've created all this nonsense around us. Yeah. And because she has felt it all, she realizes she's like, this shit doesn't mean anything. Yeah. She's like, and, and, and her perspective on it ultimately becomes negative. And she's like, then what's the point? What's the point of living? Yeah. What's the point of this world? It means nothing. Which I think is such an important message in today's terms because of everything that kind of is just constantly happening that's making us so overwhelmed whether it's politics or religion or gender construct or or sexuality like all these things that are causing us to become so overwhelmed and then there are some people who are positively nihilistic where they're like um yeah it doesn't matter just go with the flow and then there are people like this who are like this is so fucking overwhelming and for what it doesn't even matter for what none of this matters 
when and we I, die, and that, it's not gonna matter. See, watch. Literally, we are <laughs> all we're all gonna be fucking worm food at the end of the day. Like, and I think a lot of people are coming to those terms in these days. Sure. So I think this right. is a very relatable thing. And and I think that's almost like the importance of the multiverse sort of storyline nowadays. Like why we why more of these stories are coming out. I think that yeah. we're still we're trying to search for meaning. We are trying to justify to ourselves that you know that our path that we've taken means something but also in a way that it doesn't mean anything that no matter what we do it doesn't matter and so we should just be happy <laughs> being alive like yeah it's like it, no it, matter it, what we do no matter how important it is it's still not yeah. making the world go around so what's the point no exactly <laughs> i when jobu explains herself i'm like damn that's crazy that she's the villain of this movie because I'm vibing with what she's saying. Well, I mean, th- well, there there we go. And I, it's like, you have to decide, like, is she actually a villain? Or... No. Because, at, I mean, at first they sort of paint her one, uh, paint her as one because they're like, you know, she has, she's created this thing, this everything bagel. She's put everything <laughs> on a bagel. And... The choices. You know, it, right. And it has <laughs> the potential to destroy the entire multiverse. And so we're, we're sort of introduced to her as having this MacGuffin, this, like doomsday device that will wipe us all out yeah but once we come to find out we're like oh this isn't to destroy the multiverse this is to destroy herself this is about a person who's suffering from like depression yeah and she can't take herself out of that slump she's she's decided that nothing matters and she also doesn't want to go through it alone and she feels like the only person that would able will be able to experience this with her this idea of becoming absolutely nothing is Evelyn, her mother. Yeah. And it almost seems like her last attempt to do something purposeful. Yeah. Even though it's going to end it all and it won't matter afterward, it kind of seems like nothing matters. See, and I feel like this might go through a lot of people's heads when they are severely depressed and they are thinking of, you know, potentially yeah, ending it for themselves and that's yeah sad but it, yeah it, i mean it's it's sad this movie deals with it in a very clever way to sort of yeah. distract from the depression of it and think make you th- actually think in that perspective like see that point of sure. view like okay i see it i can see yeah, what that, you mean. that it's not just it's not just about being sad or something like no. it's, it's more than that it's about it's about looking at life as something that we're only here for a small amount of time that we're small and that we're stupid. And that's what they say in this movie over, not over and over, but especially in the rock sequence, it's like, and as time goes forward and more discoveries are made and we realize that, that, that the earth isn't the center of the world, that it just makes us smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and that That can really affect conversation is my favorite. Oh, because it's By the silence of it and the yeah. re- having to read it is so much different than hearing oh, right. it. It's absolutely so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's so brilliant. Yeah. And so like, I think it, it's a very clever way to, to portray that perspective. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's get to the real villain of this movie, which is Deirdre Bobeardra. <laughs> <laughs> Deirdre Bobeardra. Oh my God. Jamie Lee Curtis. Has never been better. I don't think. She, does she really committed to this role? Well, I, yeah, you're right. Because hilarious, but also scary villain. 
Yeah, her commitment to being ugly, you know. Yes, ugly, <laughs> a monster, yeah. but and also to not like be the main character of this film. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that speaks a lot. That Jamie Lee Curtis was like, yeah, I'll play Deirdre Bobirdra, this crazy IRS agent who, like, just seeing, like, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis in the background of scenes, like, just yeah. with extras. I'm like, that is yeah. fucking crazy. It's such a like, departure, She showed up on set. From what we've seen her in recently, like, obviously the Halloween saga, like, the chapter yeah. of Laurie Strode in the 2018 timeline, and yeah. her character, like, even in, like, Knives Out you know you expect her to play these like strong characters and i do think that deirdre is a strong character but at the same time she's uh, somebody who is probably not important and doesn't feel important in real life but when she's in that fucking office on that desk she is in control of people's lives and of course oh my god absolutely her accent her commitment her <laughs> accent is so, so funny crazy. it's like such a choice like she just made this strong choice <laughs> yep, to make deirdre from i don't even know which is boston i don't know where boston this accent. or new, new no not new jersey it has to be like boston or something yeah she has this crazy accent <laughs> and she just like really fucking just is so committed to it and um but in a relatable character not relatable but like definitely a character we've all seen in the real world like the a woman on a power trip yeah sure. whether it be at a library or <laughs> yeah a library you know, or an, a, d- a dental office like we've seen this sure. woman who just drives you insane because she thinks she's all that because she's yes the she manager has a, an inkling or of power an entitled yeah, yeah a title uh huh. She's a mess. But <laughs> it's also really funny to see Deirdre go from like this like slump in her chair to like yeah. full on fighting scenes. <laughs> yes, full on. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, because she's like an IRS agent. She's yeah that woman with that haircut that you see at that office. Uh, and now this now this woman has actually become a threat, a terror, like <laughs> and a monster. Yeah, like when she has that like. That like the bagel on her forehead, like she's kind of scary. She kind of, I thought I was like, maybe she's like from a universe where she's possessed by a demon. That's is she, from, a, is she from another planet? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she from another planet. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. fun to see Jamie Lee like this, and the character is kind of scary, but also kind of like dopey and funny, almost like the stupid yeah. henchman. Yes, and there's there was a hilarious deleted scene that I just watched before we started recording. It was an extended scene of where Jobu is first introduced when they're in that office, and Deirdre's like giving that speech about Jobu and who she is, and she's the destroyer of whatever. And Jobu mm. comes in, and she's all Deirdre. Nobody likes you. And then she kind of breaks down, and she, she runs away. And they're <laughs> like, they, they kind of have a shot of like. You know, they're all like on like the third floor, and there's like you could look down and see, I don't know, a couple floors down. Yes. And she like runs away, and all of a sudden you see her. Ah! She jumps off the balcony, like like <laughs> and kills herself. Because oh Joe my god! It was actually really funny. Just and they said that, and there's some commentary with the deleted scene, and I guess the Daniels are like, she actually did that stunt on her own. She literally ran and jumped over that ledge. All on her own. That's crazy. Like, you know, there are so many things that Michelle and Jamie and uh, Kihi Kwan did 
Yeah, and, uh, Stephanie. and they're, they're yeah, they all, all did their it. stunts, and it's like some of them are so impressive. And then when you see the behind the scenes stuff, especially on Jamie Lee Curtis's Instagram, you know she oh, yeah. can't get enough of this movie. Um, oh yeah, she's she, obsessed. She's obsessed. But to see them like behind the scenes on the wires, flying through the air, kicking each other, and so I'm like. Oh my god! And it's so cool because they are, you know, actors of a particular age, right? And of course. Sometimes you're kind of just limited to half of what this yeah. role is, but to be able to expand beyond that and be an action hero yeah. on oh my top god, of it sure is crazy. They were having the time of their goddamn lives. Yeah, like seeing Michelle Yeoh, like you know, she is famous for martial arts films. Like she. Yeah. You know, she was in the Jackie Chan film. She's from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Fucking Dragon. Yes, like to, and, come on. And which came out in like the year 2000 or 99 or whatever, yeah. whenever it came out. And so for 22 years later to still be out there kicking ass, like in these in these stunts aren't aren't you know little stunts. Like these are like full on action fighting sequences, flying through the air. And so it's like a joy yeah. to see to see Michelle really. I could just spread her wings and kick ass. Absolutely. Um, and then we have, uh, speaking of actors of a particular age, then we have Gong Gong. <laughs> yes, Gong Gong. Another like legend um, within the, you know, the Chinese community, the martial arts movie community. Okay. And um, it, I, yeah, it, it's really fun to see, to see this character like this, this old grumpy man from a different generation who, yes. who, um, you know, he sort of represents that, like us, like trying to relay who we really are to the older generation and like that conflict that arises. From yeah. That. The being gay stuff, the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the his the daughter not, the, being sort of a disappointment for him. Yeah, exactly. And like mm-hmm. always trying to impress and and, you know, I can't speak from a, a personal perspective on the Chinese American uh, yeah, you know, journey the cultural. But, um, yeah, yeah. The, I, I can't obviously I can't speak for that, but from what I do know is that there is a lot of expectation within the right. Chinese culture to become something great and um, you know not disappoint your elders. And there's a lot of um, I think pressure in that way. And um, I think yeah. that this movie also also makes a point of that of making it culturally relevant. Yes. Yeah. Making it culturally relevant and, you know, showing that this is a facet of that culture that mm. causes kind of trauma. Yeah. The expectation of your parents and having to live up to everything. And if not, then you're nothing more than a disappointment. And, and sometimes that's killer for some people. Ugh, that is awful. So, and it's funny to see the 182 of like him being this kind of like, old confused octogenarian who has to travel around in a wheelchair and then where he's like summoning people to like kill Evelyn and <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god yeah his sort of night and day transformation is really fun too when he becomes alpha gong gong in this like <laughs> in this power wheelchair just flying around and, <laughs> yeah um yeah and he, you know he he has some really poignant moments too especially the one where um he's instructing Evelyn to kill kill joy you know in order to prevent jobu from jumping into to this universe to destroy it and um i think that's a really kind of profound moment too of you know where he's like thinking of the good of of the entire universe 
and you know Evelyn's really struggling with the personal side of it she's like that's my daughter and he's like well think about how I feel that's my granddaughter yeah. you know so and it's it's sort of like brings up the question of like the the greater good and you know your personal feelings and so that's another little layer they've thrown in there those clever mm-hmm. little Daniels yeah it's a very clever it's a very clever movie overall I, I'm really surprised at how controlled they were able to be going back and forth between these universes because I feel like I would yeah. have gotten confused somewhere in the line not so much with the directing aspect of it but the writing like wait what did we say what did we put in this one yeah that, I, I I was thinking about that too I was like I wonder how much of this was like scripted like um, you know Evelyn gets punched in the face and then her, the universe where she's the movie star also gets punched in the face and then we cut back to their like I'm like how much yes. of this was like was like specifically detailed or was it just in the moment of editing or because they had to film that they had to film that moment where somebody you know she gets punched in the face and then her other universe gets punched in the face too and you know like the intricacy like when they're connecting yeah when they're using skills from the other parts of it yeah yeah Yeah. that must have been hard to wrap your mind around even as a creator (laughs) absolutely and what I thought was really interesting is that in the creation of this movie, only, there were there wasn't like a huge special effects team that created it. Apparently, it was like the Daniels and a, like maybe five guys, and they learned everything from free online tutorials on how to yes. do the visual effects in this movie. What I read that, and I was thinking about how special that is, especially when I you know was praising something like the Fablemans, where it's like this is a r- reminder of how simple movie making can be but it still can produce such an amazing fantastical journey on the silver screen that's so enticing to watch um yeah. and you don't need much <laughs> except no, a couple and, of youtube and, tutorials <laughs> exactly like the yeah movie magic is real y'all and um i think that they really pulled it off here uh because this movie looks like it's like some high budget like beautifully visually effects movie i don't know it just looks so yeah. cool the fight scenes the the cracking of the glass and the and how they filter through all the different universes like it, yes. it, it looks so Very intricate cool. and i'm sure it was but you know it proves that you don't need a billion dollar team to create something magic on screen yeah and the the storyline itself is so um so simple like it's like this multiverse exists and your counterpart is, you know, very influential in this universe for creating the ability to go from universe to universe. But there's someone who, you know, is kind of ready to destroy it all, which means all the universes will cease to exist. It's like, that's such like a classic action storyline. Like it's like the end of the world, essentially like an apocalypse storyline in a way. And it's all being caused by Jobu and her everything bagel. And I'm like these off the wall sort of references. And I'm sure there's some kind of meaning in their minds behind it all. But what do you think about the everything bagel sort of being the source of everyone's demise? Well, I mean, I really love it. I think it's so, it's so funny first of all because when you first hear you're like oh my god this movie is out of its mind i was also so stoned when i first watched it 
and that 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 it, I was so so that it like almost immediately made sense to me. I was like, oh my god, yeah, duh, totally. When put, like when you put everything on a bagel, like obviously it would create some sort of black hole vortex that would suck up the entire <laughs> fucking world. Like, that only makes I, sense. That only makes sense. <laughs> but I, I no, I but I think it, it. I mean, I think it. I again, this was also I guess something that they kind of thought was a funny joke. And then they actually ended up realizing, like, oh, this kind of, this kind of works within this movie. Yeah, it and does. Um, and yeah, I, I think it it's uh, it's clever, and but also it it still remains pretty sinister. I mean, the you know the evil everything bagel, and I love that it like shows up in different ways <laughs> throughout the movie with a, whether it's in hairstyles or like that, like you know, in tattooed on their foreheads. Yes, like, that they. It all reminds sort of, me of that um trend that they had what was it in japan oh my god saline yes. the donut the donut <laughs> forehead trend, donut forehead trend. <laughs> oh my gosh what I mean, a world we live in you gotta throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks you know <laughs> yeah. just like the just like the storyline that was cut out of this movie i was telling you before yeah there was a whole little storyline coming cut out of this movie a multiverse where the character um, yeah a whole character where um miss uh miss evelyn showed up as a piece of spaghetti in a pot and she has a son called um spaghetti baby noodle boy (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a toy and it's jenny slate who um (laughs) oh my god who we forgot to mention as the best character in the film as dog mom slash big nose (laughs) <laughs> Big I know. Yeah. Played by Jenny Slate. <laughs> played by Jenny Slate. That's so um, funny. Yeah, uh Jenny Slate also played the character of Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy. And it was like a whole storyline that I guess they just felt was unnecessary, so they cut it out. But it did appear several right. times throughout the movie. Just like the hot dog fingers, just like uh, the movie star. I guess it was one they just didn't feel added enough to the story. So um but going back to Miss Jenny Slate. Um, I think her character is ridiculous and really funny and very small. Again, very she small. was also cut out. Yeah. Uh, I guess she had a much bigger role that they, on a, they, I guess, had to leave on the cutting room floor because this movie is also very long. Which and, I understand. Um, I right. I totally get that. And you don't want to take away too much from your central, you know, of course. points. But um, I, I was confused watching this where I'm like, she's like a legitimate star. And I'm like, why is she in such a small role? <laughs> I mean, you know, she's an A24 baby. She probably had just done Marcel the Shell. Yeah, they probably were like, she was like, hey, sure, I'll do it. Sure, I'll do it. Why not? And she was like, to hang out with a little dog all day. She was on her way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was nice to see your dog made its uh, fe- feature film debut. Is it her Sammy. real dog? No, I was talking about your dog. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is Sammy. <laughs> that looks like your dog, right? Yeah, it does. I always think about that, too, when I watch Young Adult with Charlize. Oh, yes. I'm a like, there's Pomeranian. Sammy. Yeah. There's your little Dolce. doggy. Yeah, Sammy playing the role of Johnny in Everything Ever All at Once. Who knew? And Dolce and Young Adult. Yes. <laughs> Dolce. Oh, my God. So, oh should we move gosh. on to Everywhere? Yeah, let's move on to Everywhere. Part two, Everywhere. Evelyn's mind, first of all, let me say this too. I love that in the movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once, the main character's name is Evelyn. Evelyn is everywhere, everything everywhere. Oh my God. (laughs) All over. A a tongue twister. (laughs) Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. (laughs) (laughs) 
Evelyn's mind splinters across the multiverse and she witnesses many bizarre universes. One where she spins signs for a living. One where she has hot dog fingers and is dating Deirdre. (laughs) (laughs) And one where a fellow teppanyaki chef is controlled by a raccoon. (laughs) Who I have to say, what's that actor's name that plays the chef? Harry Shum Jr. He's from Glee, yeah? Yeah. He's so cute. He's so cute. So hot. And he's, and he can dance, honey. He, he can, can dance, dance, and his body is banging. Okay, he's banging me. Just kidding. <laughs> Jobu once again finds Evelyn and explains that she's not trying to kill her. Instead, she created the Everything Bagel to destroy herself because she's tired of never being present in any one universe. She merely wanted someone to accompany her into the unknown. Evelyn stares into the bagel and accepts Jobu's nihilistic view that nothing matters. She begins being cruel and uncaring in other universes, including using her loved ones, disregarding her responsibilities, and even stabbing Waymond. It's so funny to say his name. I know, <laughs> Waymond. I'm glad that it was I, actually spelled Waymond, though, and not like a cringy accent. Oh my god, like, can you, you imagine? Know, that would have been awful. Oh, I know when I say it, I kind of feel like I'm making fun of people that have speech impediments. I, me too, but I think, but luckily it's like actually spelled W-A-Y-M-O-N-D yeah. for those listening. <laughs> she nearly accepts Jobu's offer to enter the bagel, but stops when she hears Wayman still fighting for her. In every universe, even when she hurts him, he defends and cleans up after her. He explains that his optimism is not... Oh my god, Naivete. I hate this word. <laughs> yeah, I love that word. It's so dramatic. Naivete. Yeah, it's like um, negligee. (laughs) It's just like negligee. It's just almost the same (laughs) meaning. (laughs) Naivete negligee. That's my drag name. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Naivete negligee. (laughs) Oh my god. I've been there all night. Just kidding. I'm so into you. (laughs) (laughs) He explains that his optimism is not (laughs) negligee. Just kidding, okay. It's not naivete, but rather a conscious choice to be kind, since this is how he fights. Evelyn resolves to fight more like him and defeats Jobu's minions by sifting through the multiverse, discovering what is causing them anguish and helping them find happiness. I love that. It's in, so beautiful. In the tax universe, which I also love that that's what it's called because it's That like, was the original universe that we were in, which I think is so interesting. It's so interesting because it's like the universe in which we live that's the closest <laughs> yes. to our reality, not in the movie, is yeah. the tax universe. <laughs> yeah, is the tax universe and is also now completely in shambles. It is, it's not even the one we end up in in the end of the movie. <laughs> In this tax universe, Evelyn confronts Gong Gong about his lifelong disappointment in her and finally stands up for herself and joy. Finally, Evelyn reaches Jobu and attempts to pull her back from the brink, but Joy cries out asking Evelyn to just let her go. Evelyn does so for a moment before pulling her back and telling her that she will always choose to be with her, regardless of everywhere else she could be. While Jobu initially rejects Evelyn's hand, she reaches back from inside the bagel and returns to embrace her. Damn. That is so sweet. That's deep. Okay, these universes are wild. <laughs> oh my god, but they're so 
Good. All right. Why don't we get into a few of them? Okay. Okay. So uh, we'll start with Pinky of Fury, which is kind of like a smaller one. And it sort of serves as a purpose to uh, get Evelyn out of a pinch when it comes to fighting some some uh, bad guys. What's so interesting about them is because it, this multiverse idea that this movie has is that every multiverse is created from choices that we've made that changes the trajectory of our lives and the entire world around us. And so something like, you know, Pinky of Fury happened because she decided to not be with Waymond. And she ends up getting this, like, uh, martial arts instructor who, in this particular timeline, trained her to uh, fight with her pinkies. And now she has a big-ass pinky muscle. And, um, <laughs> you know, and she can, she can use that to kick ass in the tax universe or whatever reality that our hero Evelyn is in. Yeah. And so that one's really funny. And what the part of the movie that I think really connects to the Pinky of Fury is the scene where they are fighting over the butt plugs. Oh my gosh. These choices. I mean, from the bagel oh. to the butt plug award on Deirdre's desk. The dildo <laughs> fighting. Like when Jobu first comes in and it like transforms the pipes or whatever into the dildos and starts beating the shit out of that guy with them. Just, I mean, bonkers. Just absolutely bonk. Just absurd. <laughs> beyond absurd. But just why not? Like, why not? Again, in a movie that is about how nothing in this world matters. Why the fuck not? Why not beat up somebody with a bunch of dildos? Well, did you see that Jamie Lee Curtis posted on Instagram? That tree that they put up in like Europe somewhere. It was like a big inflatable Christmas tree, but it was the (laughs) shape of a butt plug and it was green. (laughs) Oh my God. That is hilarious. No, I did not see that. (laughs) Okay. Well, you have to look it up after, but yes. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. (laughs) <laughs> um well one of the also the universes that i don't know if it's in any of these but the movie star one oh oh yeah looks Wait, gorgeous fractured per- that is fractured personas which is supposed oh. to be like um a chinese romance film but there's something so beautiful about the way it's, it's shot gorgeous. yes they first of all she's in the most stunning out like gown ever and yes. and that one is so interesting because it's the uh it's as it, it's the timeline in which Waymond and Evelyn meet again, as if they they had broken up. She's gone on to success as a martial artist and a movie star, but then they have that chance meeting at the premiere of one of her of her movies, and they yes. realize that all along that they were meant to be together. And he's gone on. He's not the the sort of goofy young man that he once was. He's now become this like debonair, distinguished gentleman and she's this you know successful movie star and they have this yeah like just like beautiful romantic meeting again and and they the glamour of the oh the glamour the theater the rain when they're like they like run and they're like in this alleyway and there's like Uh. rain and they're having this like really you know deep conversation about you know who they once were and who they've become now it's just it's just so it just done so well. That's my favorite and one. Me too. That's one of my favorite ones too. It's like, you know, I love the hot dog fingers, but there's something about <laughs> the fracture personas that I, I almost wish it was an entire film. And I'm not even a big fan of romance films, but there's something about the style and how it looks. It's the style that, of it. Yeah. So it, gorgeous. Just, it just looks so good. And I just, and I love the Dreamy. concept of, yeah, of, this, of these like, you know, former young lovers who, who didn't make it when they were young, but have now 
men again when they're when they're older and much more successful and established and you know do do they have a chance or do they not are they too different now i guess we'll find out you know Uh, yes i love that yeah so good so speaking of an hour uh, oh to (laughs) amour et saucisse which is love and sausages (laughs) <laughs> I'm guessing this is the fingers, the hot dog finger, yeah. the name of the hot dog finger universe. Yeah, so this is the one with the raccoon. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. I'm like, I mean, those fingers are hideous. But also, I was wondering, because I know that they do explain it how you said, where every choice we make is um, makes the world that much different and makes our lives that much different. And yeah. so these multiverses are so different. But at the same time, it's like, what choice did she make that she ends up becoming somebody with enlarged hot dog fingers? Like, who made a well, choice that changed the evolution process? <laughs> well, they, they show that. They show, like, oh. the, the 10 million BC where they have those, like those neanderthals oh, yes. fighting each other and one has hot dog fingers and one has man hands and the hot dog fingers one wins he kills the one with the man hands and then they all the people all the neanderthals with hot dog fingers are all cheering and then here so that was what changed that universe <laughs> yes. yes and and so that's just i don't know the universe that she exists in where she has hot dog fingers Oh my! God. <laughs> yes, and, I do remember that scene now. I don't know why it's so fast. I guess I forgot yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it is. It is like pretty fast, but it's that like makes sense. it's so silly. But then, what about the spaghetti? Really, <laughs> I know, but we have this really tragic kind of love story between her and Deirdre Bobirdra, where yes. you know, as Evelyn sort of you know pops in and out of the universe, she has these like you know Deirdre has been quite a threat to her throughout the movie. And now she's in this universe where the two of them are supposed to be in love with each other. And she's like, she keeps having these freak out moments, which is really kind of sad to see because Deirdre is like really hurt by every moment that Evelyn has like a negative feedback towards her. And so you're kind of watching this weird, sad lesbian drama Love. happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with those fingers. With those sad ass haircuts. Yeah, <laughs> the matching. <laughs> yeah, those matching. Yeah, horrible. Which is more jarring than their fingers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, those bull haircuts. So Rakakuni. <laughs> so Rakakuni. Yes, this one's funny because it's like a obviously a a derivative of Disney's Ratatouille, and you know it comes from that scene where Evelyn is trying to explain to Joy and Waymond about. <laughs> about all the different universes or how the whole multiverse is being controlled like that movie which she i think i don't know if she just misremembers it or what but she sort of makes up the story of rakakuni which then becomes one of the multiverses that she she is able to pop into and it is literally the story of ratatouille i think if i remember ratatouille correctly about you know the mouse who was able to control help the chef become a great chef. A great chef. Yeah, I um I think this is my least favorite universe because it intro I mean because it's such a specific reference and it's one that I'm not particularly keen on that I was like, "Eh, I don't like this." I think it's I mean, too specific. Sure. Yeah, I mean I think it's funny. I think it's funny for like a little joke, like a little inside joke and you know her misremembering the Disney movie. The movie, yeah, but, yeah. But I, I don't know, and I think it. Um, I think it could have been cut. I'm uh, sure. <laughs> um, would, would you have rather have had 
a uh, little baby noodle boy instead. I would have rather seen Jamie Lee Curtis fall off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You have to watch it. Uh, um, I know. But I guess maybe it symbolizes like um the Mandela you know, I don't effect. Know. I mean maybe or it's like her <laughs> uh Cause she ends up, you know, ratting him out about having the raccoon and sort of ruins his life. And then she realizes that, you know, maybe it's better just to be kind and not be in competition and help save the raccoon that she got taken away by animal control. Yeah. I don't know. what. I mean, it's not the most compelling of the the multiverses, but um, I think it's like kind of a funny little joke. I almost feel like if they would have chosen something more universal, even if it were a specific reference, that it would have worked better. I don't know in what aspect as far as competition is concerned, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just It's too specific for me. I do feel like I've bought, brought up Rakakuni many a times now in my in my normal conversation, so it's stuck with me. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then we have one of also my favorite multiverse uh, timelines, which is Rocks. <laughs> rocks. Oh my God. Rocks is Rocks is so good because it comes at a time when when you know the movie is coming to a boiling point. Everything's about to just like explode. Evelyn has kind of gone off the deep end in, in her universe in the uh in the laundromat, right? She's mm-hmm. she's kind of gone on a drunken tirade to joy. She's smashed a window she threatened deirdre who's tried to take away her like it's just like the the boiling point right and then she just right. kind of collapses into a rock and then we're brought into this universe where her and jobu are are just two rocks in a in a world where life never evolved was a, yeah where life was never able to grow so it's literally just like a a way a desert wasteland of and rocks. they <laughs> yeah and they become two rocks and and things are simple and you know jobu is like you know it's kind of nice to come here and and just think and and um you know it's just quiet you know all the all the chaos of the world of of the multiverses that we've seen i mean we've seen the rakakunis and the hot dog fingers and everything just feels like so much chaos going on that to like bring it all down to this like quiet moment of just mm-hmm. watching two rocks speak to each other in subtitles just feels so poignant and profound. It does. It really does. I literally think that's probably one of the strongest moments in this movie, which is crazy yeah. because you have all these great performances and they're not even in this scene. But right. <laughs> but um, I think it's just uh, as far as like tying in the all of the themes together and then explaining. I, it's just the the writing in that scene is so right profound and it's so eye-opening and I just I really do love that and I love that in the midst of this chaotic movie the one peaceful moment is the part where no one there's no one exists yeah I'm like yeah, I love it, that it, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure no, that's nihilistic no to say but it's <laughs> but it's a truth it's, but it's true truth. Yeah. yeah and it's peaceful and they're able to just sort of realize that that life is uh, the life that we have on this planet it's small and it's stupid and that's what she explains in this moment and she's like yeah like we are just this we are nothing more than just a tiny speck in this entire universe so we might as well well she's at this point jobu's like we might as well end it all but i think 
overall. It's more like, I think maybe the Evelyn perspective later is like, then maybe we just enjoy what we have. We, we, you know, when we lead with kindness. And I think that rocks really sort of perpetuate that idea. Yeah, I think it, I, I just love that scene. It's so good. And I just love the way it's filmed. And <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. The once we get to the make or break part of this, where it's like the everything bagel that Jobu has created and she's now like, let's get into this. I There's this mother daughter aspect of it where you know, she finally sticks up to or stands up for herself against Gong Gong. And she's like, no, you know what? This is my life. This is my daughter. And I don't care what you say, you know, that kind of moment where it's like, oh, it's so nice to um, for her to do that, because especially that I think speaks volumes to the queer storyline of joy, where it's like the acceptance from your parent is probably the most important thing of being a queer child (laughs) of course and and it goes back to what this movie is saying it's like we've created these things we've created this idea that people aren't allowed to be gay i mean i love that moment in when um jobu first shows or like has her first confrontation with evelyn and evelyn's like so shocked that it's joy and she's like you're the reason why she's this and why she's that. Or, or, and she's like, and you're the reason why she thinks she's gay. And then Jobu like stops. She goes, and the whole music like, like stops. She's like, hold on. She's like, you're still hung up on the fact that I like girls in this universe. It's like, Jesus Christ. So it's like, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, if the point of this movie is that like, nothing really matters. We've made all of this up. It's like, I think that clarity gave Evelyn the, she was like, oh, wait a minute. Why does this matter? Why not let my daughter be happy? Why not? Why can't I just accept it and love her for who she is? I mean, it's not yeah. that hard. Like the simplicity of, of basic acceptance is not a hard concept. Yeah. I love that moment when she finally decides to, yeah. to embrace it. Um, yeah. And then they have that conversation outside and you can still see that it, she's not perfect yet. Evelyn still right. has ways to go and she struggles to sort of communicate her feelings properly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and obviously I think that'll be something that her and Joy would would be able to work on throughout time. But um, yeah, at least she's she's making that effort. And as a queer person, as a gay person, you know, it, it's almost cathartic to watch, and you're like, oh, "That is so. That's so lovely. That's so nice to see." Like, yes, we. She had to go through a whole multiverse, whatever, whatever, <laughs> to get there to realize but, it. Yeah, but at least, but it almost like gives a sense of hope that they'll get there eventually. You know, the people that don't accept you have have the potential to get there, and if they don't, then then it's their loss. But yeah, if they're able to expand their horizons to see other points of view and put walk in your shoes, then yes, yeah. of course. But until people are willing to put their ignorance aside, they're, that's probably never yeah. going to happen in our reality. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but then you also have this sort of idea um, with Waymond and Evelyn that they are kind of like soulmates because you have that whole moment where you, they talk about how he always cleans up after her and he's always there after her. And 
yeah. and with her um, and how different he is from her in a lot of the universes where he fights with um, kindness and it's not yeah. because he's, uh, uh, you know, kind of oblivious oh, or annoying. Oh, yeah. Or which is how I first saw him. Yeah. Right. Um, it's because that's how he is. And so her acceptance of this is just the way he is and this is the person that you love and you love him yeah. because he's like that and the realization yeah. of that um, yeah. is also something that speaks to me being the sort of like I said Evelyn in my relationship where I'm like you're so yeah. annoying but being able to like calm down and see yeah. it from their point of view you're like okay fine yeah <laughs> and you know, you know what I thought was really interesting that I had read was the I the the googly eyes yeah. of Waymond is sort of the yin and yang to the everything bagel is that they literally look completely opposite one has like has the black outside with the white middle that bagel shape and yeah. then the other one is the white outline with the black hole in the middle and they sort of that sort of represents the opposite with which, which are joy's perspective the nihilistic nothing matters life is meaningless dark side and then wayman's optimistic anti-nihilistic view um with the googly eyes where you know you can you can oh go through this world with kindness like isn't that isn't that brilliant isn't that fucking brilliant that is brilliant i'm glad that you um knew that because i wondered what the googly eyes were about because they were such a big part of the marketing also yeah. for the movie that i was like what the fuck and then you watch the movie and you're like the eyes barely what? had to do anything with anything yeah <laughs> yeah but but when you think about it, it it's more of a representation of of the the spectrum the right positive and the negative yeah and yeah that's yeah that is that is they're fucking smart the that Daniels, is smart yeah say. yeah they are they have a lot to live up to with their next project <laughs> yeah what are they gonna do they're, they better just make a straight sequel to this movie no apparently yeah. they've they've debunked rumors that there's gonna be a sequel which this movie does not need a sequel. It does right? not need a sequel. I think especially because, and I thought about that because I know that I that people want one, but I'm like, it doesn't need it because I think because it's not I that think, kind of movie. It's not that kind of movie, and I think that the it's a one and done kind of story. Yeah, and I think because if you also explored different families or different characters, kind of you know navigating the, this multiverse, it wouldn't be as special and it wouldn't be as specific to sure these people and this culture and this um character especially when it comes to jobu and joy i feel like yeah. that's probably the one link that you're like you can't have a multiverse movie without that character well, she's so yeah. important right. um in that yeah, so she's I'm the like, catalyst for everything that's happening in this in this movie <clears throat> and and now that she's you know she's found her way or like she her and Evelyn have reconciled and and I think that brings us back to that that fight scene that happens on the stairwell where it's not really a fight it's like a it, it, it's more of Evelyn coming to terms with the fact that like we said earlier with fighting with kindness and I think there's some really fun moments you know where it's like she's realized like oh wait the violence isn't gonna get me anywhere maybe if nothing in this world matters I might as well lead with love and so she fights these people on this stairwell, but instead of causing them harm, she's doing things with love. She's like helping them. She figures she, out what it is that turned them to this kind of violence. Yes. And what made them want to commit their lives to this instead of something more 
I guess, meaningful or positive. Right, exactly. Which I love. I love that right. that's what happens. It's like, why not Why not use this power you have, right? You have the power to do anything now. She's Now Evelyn's become just like Jobu. She's able to access everything, right? Why not use it for good? Why not use it positively? Why not go through this world? If nothing matters, what's the harm in in proceeding with kindness with love yeah a big reason why i love that kind of message too is because in this world we are so quick to tear each other apart because we don't see the same way or because we don't you know because we're enemies because of the structures of society but in but like being able to see beyond that and be like this person was once a child, was once um, yeah. a, a person who was moldable. And these right. ideas that they have that conflict with my own are from outside perspectives. So why not yeah. connect to one another on a, on everything that we actually have in common or, you know, that we can look past yeah. and, and connect on that level instead of dealing with all the bullshit that made us yeah negative and against yeah. each other yeah or made us yeah focusing on our differences why don't we focus on what what brings us together why don't we focus on what unites us and and yeah. maybe one day we could have a happier existence with each other i have a family member who i actually had a conversation like this very recently and i didn't even think about it but i'm like it ties into the movie where yeah. their political values and their kind of outlook on you know life um, sure. is so different than my own for very obvious reasons and I, I basically told him I was like you know I really enjoy your company so it's really crazy that when we argue that it's about something that has nothing to do with us as far as like politics and religion um, yeah. and I was like and it kind of sucks because it does it makes us forget the reasons why we have fun together and why we laugh with each other and what yeah. we have in common and I said, and I would, would rather choose when I talk to you to focus on those things rather than focus on our differences. I can respect what you believe. Do I believe it myself? No, but I'm willing to look past it because we have so much in common that I yeah. enjoy versus what I don't enjoy. Absolutely. It's like maybe maybe just putting it all aside and just, you know, just mm-hmm. having love for one another and leading with that. Maybe, and that's maybe how it comes down yeah. to when it comes to destroying this and actually putting the bagel to use and um, Joy going in and Evelyn having that moment where she wants to pull her, but Joy just wants to let go. And you kind of yeah. can, or Joby wants to let go and you kind of relate that to Joy's depression. And it's like, was yeah. she getting to the point where she was gonna where her depression was gonna get the best of her and yeah make her deplete herself or you know and, and what did yeah. it take to pull her out of that it took the acceptance of her mother to yeah. pull her out of something exactly. and obviously it, this is on a much more grand scale in this universe of course, but of course. it's it's real it's very real yeah of that. course i mean i mean the allegory is there i mean it's very it's very obvious of what it is and um we, I think that it, it's like beautifully done and and it, uh, it it's just a perfect way to sort of segue into that real conversation that they have in the parking lot after you know it's like yeah. we have the we, you know we have you know her pulling like no matter what just sticking by her daughter no matter what and she's like 
I will I I don't care who you are what you want what like all I want is to be there with you and that is a that's and honestly a lot of mothers feel that way you know and it's like if we could get people to understand that if we can get you know to, to like for like parents who maybe aren't accepting to like remember like this is your child they they want your love and acceptance more than anything and if you would would if you will just be their ride or die no matter what then we could all be happy if you just let them be who they are and they let and they let you be who you are and you know maybe we can figure out the harmony but we can't push each other away we have to hold each other close and pull each other out of that bagel and i so, know that's a beautiful strong message to yeah. have in a movie like this i know i know it is it's amazing and um it leaves us in a good place with them so yeah things come together even her and even evelyn and deirdre find their common ground they're sitting outside you know she's over there smoking her little pen miss deirdre and shares it with evelyn <laughs> and and they they kind of they have a moment where they connect and and uh, as mothers and um yeah. even your see like even it just shows like even with your enemies that you can find there's some common there's something ground. yeah there's common ground we're all living in this experience together whether it means anything or not we can at least live in harmony together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so do you want to read this last little bit yeah let's just, let's all just together. that. yeah absolutely <laughs> part three all at once Back in the tax universe, the family dynamics are noticeably improved as they prepare to go back to the IRS office. Evelyn and Waymond kiss in the lobby in what is clearly their first romantic moment in a long while. Deirdre seems impressed by the work that they've done, but explains that there's still more work to do before they're out of the woods. For a moment, Evelyn begins to drift off to check in on her other universe selves before she's pulled back and grounds herself in her home universe. The End and that is very important as well. Always ground yeah. yourself so that you okay. can see things for what they are. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think that Evelyn has learned so much about herself by seeing, you know, all these other lives that she could have led. But, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, no, no matter if you take the one where you're the most successful person on the planet or not, who you are inside and how you feel is, it doesn't change, you know? It's not gonna. Yeah. It's not gonna cure you by being more successful or whatever. You can only live in the moment. You know, obviously strive to be who you want to be, but we got to do our best to appreciate the moment, live in the moment. You know, be yeah. happy where you are. Strive for better, sure, absolutely, and but do it with love and kindness, and and wherever you end up, you know, you'll still be happy. Yeah. I love that. This movie has so many good messages. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. This movie is so rich. And so why don't we it's just get into our rich. final thoughts on it? Okay. Final thoughts. Give me yours. Final thoughts. This movie sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> imagine. Can you imagine? All that. Yeah. One out of five. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I, I've said it before. This movie is so layered. <laughs> there's, some, there's so many incredible messages in it. I mean, it, it makes sense to me why it was... It, why it's one of the only movies to ever top Letterboxd's um, num- top 250. It was like the number one spot for a couple of weeks. Um, only shared great. by The Godfather and... Um, oh my God. 
some other fucking movie. I, I forget which one it is. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite movies ever just because it's, it's so beautiful. It's rich. The message is like as existential as it is, it's still, it's home. Like we are all living this life. You know, everybody's got their own path and you just have to make a choice and lead with conviction and, um, know that no matter where life takes you, you're, it's going to be okay. And you're going to, if you lead with love, if you lead with kindness, then, um, you know, things, maybe, maybe we can, uh, enjoy this little speck of time we have here on this mm-hmm. planet. On this very small rock that we're living on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what, so what's your final score? Oh, like 500 out of five. Just, <laughs> I, I mean, I cannot yeah. think of a movie that I've that has hit me so existentially or like right almost like i mean god i have so much dread when it comes to life and death right like i it's one of my main causes of anxiety is like the fear of death but something like this something that's created like this like makes it just like slightly easier yeah to, to accept you know yeah yeah, and I think uh, that is probably one of the biggest things is because I feel like so many of my, I don't know, opinions or ideas of life are played out in this movie. Um, whether yeah. it be on the idea of like connecting with um, the relationship dynamic of Evelyn and Waymond or whether it's connecting with the nihilistic thoughts of Jobu. I'm like, there's so much in here that I feel like I'm like, at the end of the day, we're all going to die and none of it's going to really matter. And that's always the thought that I've had in my head, probably since I was like nine years old. So like, I feel like thinking like that makes this movie so fascinating to me because I'm like, oh my God, other people think like that, which I know that other people do, but I'm like, it's comforting seeing it playing out on a screen and like a scale this grand. I'm like, holy shit. It feels so amazing and I'm like that's what movies truly can do the power of movies are amazing yeah. and this one is really powerful the message is so real sure it, it's moving re- it's, it's like, moving yeah. it resonates with so many different walks of life yeah um, yeah ex- exactly that is so important yeah different walks of life whether it's the experience of being an immigrant in this world whether it's the experience of being a queer person in the world an elderly person in the world a wife, Just, a husband, a, a, a wife, child, a, yeah, fucking uh, somebody who has no thoughts about that, uh, about anything, or just likes action. You could watch it and you love it because of that. Like, yeah, there's so <laughs> this speaks to so many people. Um, and I'm so attra- like I again, like I'm not really attracted to the action of the fantasy parts of it, but it's a beautiful film, and I'm very attracted to the very real message of the film. And on top of it. You know, given, you know, it might not be necessarily my cup of tea when it comes to genre, but you can see the hard work and the brilliant movie making. It's so evident um, and it makes this film really special and something quite visually stunning to watch. Um, So there's no denying the brilliance of this movie. And it's such a unique showcase of the cast. It's so they got to play so many different roles and ranges and. They got, I yeah, love like exactly. It. Like what a showcase for Michelle. Like what a showcase for everybody. What a fashion mm-hmm. showcase for Miss Stephanie Sue. But also, I don't think we gave her enough praise this episode. But I think oh. Stephanie Sue as Joy and Jobu is are, it's fantastic. Like 
this this actress came out of nowhere like she was on Broadway yeah. and now she's now she's what a breakout role for her I thought she absolutely killed it and she brought so much heart and 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 realism to it like the pain that I could feel when when she was you know not feeling accepted by her mother like that I I felt those things I related to that Absolutely. That's the character that I related to the most as well. And it's wonderful to see because then you kind of take this like queer storyline and then you kind of see this like idea of like, if you can't beat them, join them. Like if people are constantly like throwing rocks at you for being a certain type of way, when you come out on top and you're like, you know what, I'm going to become the most sophisticated monstrosity yeah because of this and i'm going to destroy you you know it's like yeah. <laughs> that i relate to um so, the, uh, so i do and i love i think that this movie will definitely become a classic and the same way that like movies that feel very grand become classics yeah. like something like in something in this realm like jurassic park or the matrix or indiana yeah. jones but i think what sets this movie apart is the very real message that is at the core of all of us as human beings and yeah. I I love that I love the relationships that the characters have I think the writing is brilliant the directing is fantastic it's a 5 out of 5 for sure absolutely oh and I and I'm rooting for it to sweep even more awards let's I'm rooting for everything everywhere all at once. I want it to win, yeah. win, win. And so I, far, so good. I can't wait to see the Oscar nominations it gets. Wait, wait, check right now. Check check the Golden Globes. Okay, yes. Uh, any, I, anything I was, else? Any new updates? In terms of the um, of everything everywhere all at once at the Oscars, I'm really yeah. excited to see when it combines, when drama and musical and comedy combine. Right. Will it um, will it stand will it stand up next to those ones? Will it stand <gasps> up? So the Fablemans won Best Motion Picture Drama. Okay, okay, okay. So great. Um, Lola, Lola, uh, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, and Taylor Swift all lost original song. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh my no! God. Oh, it lost. So it lost to the Banshees of Anna Sharon. No. Boo. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Let's see what the Oscars say. Let's see what the Oscars say. Oh, you know what? Quinta winning um best performance in a musical or comedy. She beat um Gene Smart and Jenna Ortega. Dang. Wow. The White Lotus won. Okay, White Lotus. Love it. Okay. Evan Peters <laughs> won for Dahmer. We called that. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge won for the White Lotus. Good for her, Miss Jennifer. Yeah. These games are trying to kill gal. me. Um, and that's it. And Pam and Tommy won nothing. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a shock! But we love it. We loved it anyway. I it's love Jennifer Coolidge. I'm glad she won, but also Aubrey Plaza and Niecy Nash were nominated in that category, so it could have been kinda, any one of them. And like, like I said before, like I know Miss Jennifer Coolidge is in her renaissance right now. However, I do think Aubrey Plaza's uh, role was slightly more meatier than than um, Jennifer Coolidge's in the second season. But maybe that's just me. No, I think it was. I think she had more to work with, whereas Jennifer Coolidge was kind of just picking up where she left off. Yes, she was <laughs> She was riding the wave of, of season one, where yeah. Aubrey, like, really... Oh, yeah, her character there's was... so much to that character. So much. There's so much to it. Anyways, okay, not to harp on the Golden Globes again, but um, 
Uh, thank you for uh, tuning into this episode. This is one that we've been wanting to do since this, since the second I saw this movie in theaters. I literally text Frankie. I said, I don't care what we do. We have to do an episode on everything ever all at once because I knew there'd be so much wonderful discussion about it. And um, and sorry for getting it to you so late. Oh, but um, so, yeah, we wanted Shit to happens. really do it for the new year because doesn't it take place on New Year's? On the Chinese New Year. On Chinese New Year, which is coming up because it's going to be on Sunday, January 22nd. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. Happy Lunar New Year. Yay. Um, it's the year of the rabbit. I know that. Oh, cute. Yeah. So hop over to our Instagram page. Yes. Hop over to our Instagram page. We're at Fear the Talking Queers. Um, where you can see all the stuff we've got going on. Always get updates on new episodes. Uh, we try to release them every Friday. I say try now because you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Are you listening on Spotify? Leave us five stars. Are you listening on Apple Podcasts? Leave us a review. Uh, we yeah. need it. We want people yes. to listen to this show. Yes. Do you want us to keep making episodes? Give us a review. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break from doing a few episodes, but we'll be back in February with brand new episodes, more new movies, some classics. So I can't wait. Me neither. I'm so excited. So, uh, well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Hear the Talking Queers. Sweet dreams, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet dreams, bitch. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 